This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome, folks, to the AA Live radio show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous program. I am here with my lovely co-host Chrissy, who is also a member of the AA Fellowship. Kia ora, Chrissy. Kia ora. How are we? Kiti pihia koe. Good, thanks. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Thank you for coming in this evening and doing this little bit of fun with, with me this evening. Thank you. I thought we'd start with the serenity prayer. What do you think? Sounds like a good idea to me, Jen. All right, let's go with it. Thank you. God. God, grant, grant me, me the, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom, wisdom to know the, the difference. difference. Thanks, Chrissy. All right. Right, folks, I am just going to read out the preamble. Pardon the mistake before. Um, and so here it is, the AA preamble. This sort of tells you what AA is and isn't. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses or oppo- nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay, stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Lovely. Thanks, Chrissy. Now I'm going to tell you about um, some what we what the opinions are and aren't. You'll hear a lot of things on the show that are just our own personal particular opinions. They are not the opinions of AA as a whole. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, just a wee heads up there, you know, that um, (laughs) what you hear on the show um, are just that opinions and not necessarily that of AA as a whole. Yes, just a couple of alcoholics having a chat. That's you and me, Chrissy. Nothing political today, please. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and on that note, folks, I am going to read our daily reflection. Just as a spirit lifter today, this is from a little book that we look at every day. So we have protection for all. At the personal level, anonymity provides protection for all members from identification as alcoholics a safeguard often of special importance to newcomers. At the level of press, radio, TV and films, anonymity stresses the equality in the fellowship of all members by putting the brake on those 
who might otherwise exploit their AA affiliation to achieve recognition, power or personal gain. And that comes from understanding anonymity. Attraction is the main force in the fellowship of AA. The miracle of continuous sobriety of alcoholics within AA confirms this fact every day. It would be harmful if the fellowship promoted itself by publicising through the media of radio and TV. The sobriety of well-known public personalities, he became members of AA. If these personalities happen to have slips, outsiders would think our movement is not strong and they might question the veracity of the miracle of the century. Alcoholics Anonymous is not anonymous, but its members should be. Gosh, Chrissy, isn't that so true? I know we're sitting here on the radios <laughs> having a chat and we do use our first names, but when I go out in public... I don't talk about AA unless somebody is reaching out for help. Otherwise, yeah, I don't talk about you <laughs> to other people. I don't talk about what I hear, all of those sorts of things. And when I was a newcomer, that was really important to me. How about yourself? I totally agree with that, Jan. You know, um, when you first come into AA, you are, I felt when I first went into AA, I felt so ashamed guilty, I felt the stigma of become being an alcoholic. I didn't want anybody to know to start with. Um, and I think that is rare like I think it's really, really important that um, people keep their anonymity, you know. Um, also I began to see that other people that had had their anonymity broken, yes they could get through it. Um Yet, it wasn't necessarily a good thing. Then I began to realise in AA who I could trust and who I couldn't trust, you know. <laughs> oh, it's like any air, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. So, yeah, I reckon that um, it's, I think it is a great, great value. Mm. It's an uh, interesting thing, though, as I say, we are here on the radio and we do have an ad running in the paper all the time, but that's um, more about attraction. And this whole show is about attraction. So we have we get together to talk about what we've learned. It's not actually um, how would I say this? It's not about getting you in there and putting up a flag and saying we're over here. It's really <laughs> about whether you decide you needed or not so yeah it's a it's a good thing i'm incredibly glad to have found it anyway you are listening to the aa live show in association with our friends from otago access radio on 105.4 fm now look i was lucky enough to catch up with one of my fellow aa friends this week uh, and Janine is her name and she kindly welcomed me into her fuddy where we discussed uh, her experience, strength and recovery through her journey with alcohol. Um, it was a very humbling experience. I just, yeah, it was, I hope you enjoy hearing it too. It was a great, great interview. So folks, enjoy this for a moment. 
Hello Janine, I am luckily enough here today folks in Janine's lovely home. Uh, she has agreed to come and talk to us today, so thank you very much for doing that Janine, welcome. Hi Jan, no trouble. <laughs> um, so Janine has kindly said she'll talk to us today about her some of her journey and I wanted to start out with asking you what was it that happened for you that made you think, oh my gosh, I've got a problem with alcohol or I'm an alcoholic? What, what was that thing that tipped you over? Um, I think the ultimate thing, I think, I think I knew I had an issue for quite some time. Um, the reality is when you are actually hiding the amount of alcohol you're consuming, it's hard, even though you're in a bit of denial about it, I guess it's hard to totally deny that you've got a problem. Um, but the thing that ultimately led me to um, seeking help was that um, everything came to a head in my relationship and I had been warned a number of times that if I continued to it wasn't just the drinking it was the denying of the drinking and the hiding of the drinking so I was warned a number of times that if it continued um, that would be the end of our relationship and um, and so it continued and and that ultimately did um, end up in a breakdown in um, my long-term relationship um, I was effectively booted out of um, my house um, and and that was I guess the moment where I knew something had to happen. Um, Did you feel like that was your rock bottom? I feel like that was my rock bottom yes because um, when I go when I say I felt like something needed to happen at that moment of being kicked out and being just stuck in this alcoholic disease, I didn't go, oh, I think I'd better go and figure out how to get out of this and how to get better. I actually um, just went to a motel and drank more. Um, that was at that moment in time where my head took me and I was so low from the drinking and so ashamed of the drinking and what it had become and therefore the breakdown of my relationship and being booted out of the house, my immediate reaction was to drink some more. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, not uncommon between us alcoholics. <laughs> well, uh, did you, do you find I personally found that for me, if something went wrong... I would self-medicate with alcohol. Yeah, that was it, 100%. Right? That was what I was doing all the time. And I think, like, um, my um, kind of my disease progressed slowly, I would say, um, because some people you'll hear and they'll say, oh, no, the first drink I had, um, you know, I drank to oblivion, and as a teenager I drank to oblivion, and I didn't. Um, I didn't drink that much as a teenager. Um, when I actually look back now, I kind of see that there were times when I did drink that I did drink to oblivion, but it's quite normal in New Zealand. It's not. There were no alarm bells. Like Nobody thought anything of it. Um, in fact, you know, looking back, people would now go, God, I wouldn't have ever thought that you would be the alcoholic because I was actually probably pretty tame in the big scheme of um, parties and drinking when I was younger. But um, as life progressed and things happened... Um, 
alcohol became a way of dealing with things. And to start with, it wasn't that bad. But then, yeah, as life continued on and, um, yeah, things happened, alcohol became the way I did deal with things. And um, it became a major problem Um, because then it wasn't just something I did because I had a shit day, I would have a drink. Um, I was having a drink for every reason in the end. I would, like, basically any excuse would be made to have a drink. So I would, you know, have a drink because something good happened or I had a drink because (laughs) something bad happened. Like, Mm -hmm. basically it just became something that I needed and I needed to do as opposed to, you know, in my early 20s, it was just quite a pleasant experience and I didn't drink to oblivion um as the years went by um yeah I drank more and more and it became something that I needed to do um I don't think I I don't think I um kind of saw myself as an alcoholic to start with until I went I think when I went to a first AA meeting I actually it actually did dawn on me that that was probably what I was and I think the reason I didn't ever say that I was an alcoholic before then even though I'd been going to um counseling alcoholic alcohol counsellors um I think I decided I had a problem drinking and what I needed to do was I needed to turn the clock back to what I was like in my 20s and early 30s did you feel you managed it more then? So you thought, yes. I can walk away and manage this? Yep. I yes. thought, oh, and even my partner, because um, he did go to counselling with me, he, he actually asked how, as well as me, how could we get me back to the way I used to be, mm. which was having a drink but not having to consume all of the alcohol that was in front of me. Um, so I think that's where I didn't identify initially as an alcoholic some of it would have been denial because I didn't want to be one um and some of it was I didn't probably think that I was because I didn't know what an alcoholic was I thought an alcoholic was what we stereotypically identify which is your alcoholic who's right gone right down to the end of the path and they are on the street drinking and drunk and the likes. I thought that was an alcoholic. I thought because I didn't drink every day that I was not necessarily an alcoholic and I was a problem drinker and I needed to do something. So if you realised, when you realised you're an alcoholic, Mm. what would you explain an alcoholic as? Someone who obsesses over drinking drinking is in their mind even if they're not drinking they're thinking about drinking um and if they have a drink the ability to stop drinking is so difficult that it's not a choice um I guess that's what I identify as myself as an alcoholic when I have a drink the ability to stop drinking is incredibly difficult and it becomes an absolute willpower thing. Whereas I'm surrounded by friends who are not alcoholics and they just have a drink. <laughs> you are the, 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 what we refer to as normal, normal people. Drink. Normal, <laughs> normal drinkers. drinkers. Have a drink. Yeah, it's and, that craving, isn't it, that yeah. comes about. And I, I personally, the willpower was generally when I ran out. But then I had it hidden everywhere eventually. So, mm. yeah, it's that 
craving, isn't it? It's once it's in, that ability to stop mm. is incredibly difficult, mm. and and it, and it, yeah, it's just really difficult. And I think yeah, for me, it is when it rules your life, and that's probably what I would say is drinking back in my twenties was a social experience, um, and. By the time it got to the end of my drinking in my 40s, um, drinking became an antisocial experience in that I drank around people sometimes, but more often than not, I would drink more when I was by myself and I would choose sometimes not to go somewhere because I wanted to drink by myself because that way I could drink more. Um, than if I was going to be around people. So it became a very isolating, antisocial experience is probably what I would say about my drinking. Um, it wasn't a pleasurable thing anymore. It wasn't something that you would go and have a drink with a group of friends and that was the end of it. For me, at the end, drinking became quite isolating mm. and yeah, and, and a very negative experience. Um, and along with the drinking, the drinking causes... Um, a severe depression in me as well. So, yeah, it's very difficult. Um, I guess that's the other side of it. That's not what every alcoholic is like, but certainly for me, if I drink, I become very depressed very quickly and it's hard to get out of that. And therefore, I drink some more. Yeah, it's a wicked little circle, isn't it? Yeah. I, I understand that one completely. Yeah, it's, it's... And then you have the mind battles, and the mind battles with yourself can be just treacherous as well and I understand that drinking on your own thing at the end and I don't know about you but I would have some before going out then go out and then leave early-ish and go home and finish off yeah that was <laughs> that was pretty much my opera oh, that was my operation that was, that is what I'd do and that became quite a challenge obviously to a, attempt to do that sort of stuff whilst negotiating how to get to where you're going. Um, that was also a, a big battle, which is why sometimes I would choose not to go somewhere because that way I didn't you know, have to worry about how I was going to get home. Um, but, yes, it certainly became... Alcohol became something that I needed before socialising um, as opposed to when I was younger. Alcohol was something that I used to socialise. Mm. Um Alcohol became something that I needed to socialise and I would have to drink before going out with friends because I lost all confidence in myself as a person. Um, so I needed to drink before going out for a drink, which is just how crazy that it, it got to. I needed a drink before going out for a drink. So, yeah, I, I would hide a, a drink somewhere so I could have it before I went out. Um, I would potentially have a little hidden drink with me when I was out so that people didn't see how much I was drinking, that was another thing because I was so shameful of it. I had, I didn't want people to know that I had this alcohol problem, so I kind of had this display of what I was drinking and yet I was drinking more than that. Um, and I thought I was quite clever at hiding that, but I don't think I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it becomes quite obvious how much someone's had to drink. Um, yeah. So going back to you found yourself in the hotel room mm. 
drinking mm. because there was the problem. So that was your your helping hand was to pick up again and, mm. and keep doing that. Mm. What was it that made you be able to walk out of that room and go and get help? Um, I was at such a low that I just, in my mind, I just wanted life to finish is the reality of the situation I was in. Um, I just could not see like my relationship I I thought had permanently finished um and I was just a mess um I just didn't know that I wanted to go on with life as it was because I couldn't I could see that alcohol was causing everything um and yet I couldn't see how the hell I was going to stop it because I had tried by myself, when I say by myself, without the help of AA, I guess, many times to stop drinking and I would succeed for short periods of time and then I would pick up drinking again. And so because I'd had that experience of stopping and yet not succeeding, um, I felt that, you know, I was never going to get this and that the only way out was, you know, maybe to um, just end my life as a reality. But um, I fortunately, I did have a, a CADS counsellor um, that I had engaged with and I had a really good boss at my work that I had contacted to say that I wasn't going to be at work on the Monday. Um, and between the two of them, they managed to... Um, I'm not sure how, but they managed to just talk some sense into me and I met with the pair of them. Um, and somehow um, managed to then agree to go to an AA meeting. Um, I guess the other thing on the on the opposite flip side of that whole situation is because I had experienced a close family member um, who had taken her own life um, a few years prior. Well, uh, yeah, a few years prior. Um, I didn't want my family members and my friends to go through what I had gone through. So whilst I felt like I didn't want to continue on with life, I also knew the flip side of what that was like. And I didn't want that friends and family to have to go through that. So um, that was also a reason for me to get help, I guess, um, which did ultimately mean that I finally fronted up to my first AA meeting. What was that like? It was amazing. Um, <laughs> I was petrified. Um, the reason I didn't... Do you I know, I don't think I've ever met anybody who wasn't petrified <laughs> yeah. or terrified Just or terrified. I remember mine. And it, all of us describe it the same way. But the actual experience turns out to be something really quite different it was just um yeah I sat in the car just looking like parked out the front early just looking thinking are they an alcoholic no they can't be um they look like too normal um so I was kind of looking thinking oh who's going in and um I waited to the last minute so I didn't have to talk to anyone before the meeting I chose a closed meeting because I was worried that in an open meeting there might be um there might be more people there and non-alcoholics and I was too worried that somebody might see me because that was a lot of the reason I didn't want to go to AA. Oh. I was worried about who would recognise me, 
Um, and yeah, I was just so full of shame. But um, yeah, so I, I finally did. I went to my first meeting and what amazed me was that when people started, that's my dog, people started um, sharing was their story. They were just sharing things that I had done and was doing um, and they were saying it out loud and laughing was the big one, the laughter, um, because there was just no laughter left in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and they were laughing, um, not like, not in a derogatory manner about their drinking, but in the manner of saying, well, this is what it was like, and this is, you know, how, how, how crazy was I, and this is how I am now, and for me that was... Yeah, that, they seemed happy. The they key. seem happy, don't they? They were happy. Yeah, yeah, which is, I don't know about you, but for me, happiness was not anywhere No, it <laughs> by was, the time I walked in. Yeah, it was just, life was just so low and mm. sad. And, and I remember there was the serenity prayer, and I was just like, serenity? And I do remember, <laughs> like, I, I still, I, many months, and I was still like, well, there's, no, I don't know that I'm ever going to see serenity in my life, because I was just miles away from serenity. Um, everything was just so crazy um, but yeah that was the thing I noticed was serenity, calmness and honesty and yeah just I think it was it was kind of I don't know it was acceptance and knowing that I wasn't the only one I think that was the big one that people around me were sharing things and had done things and thought things similar to me and I thought that I was the only one like that. I didn't realise that there were heaps of people in the world like me. I didn't realise alcoholism was a disease. I just thought I had crap willpower. I didn't realise there was kind of actually something wrong with me medically as such mm. and that it wasn't because I was useless um, because that's what I'd spent many years thinking. I just thought that I was just useless when it came to alcohol because everything else in my life was also structured and organised. And yet when it came to alcohol, I couldn't do what I said I'd do, which is minimise or stop drinking. So I just thought I was just crap. And therefore I hid it. And because of the hiding and the lying, it just became just so awful. Um, so, yeah, I think in, the, in going into the meeting, I just felt a huge sense of relief because I saw people in front of me who were describing being the way that I was and yet they no longer were. So I then saw hope because that was the first time I'd seen people and heard people who were like me and yet they had managed to stop drinking. I think up until that stage, all of my attempts at sobriety had been kind of psychologists and counsellors and stuff who actually, although very helpful, were not actual alcoholics. And I think I needed the evidence of a person with the same problem as me who had successfully stopped for me to actually think there is a possibility here. Because up until that stage, I was just like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to completely stop drinking um, because it just had become such a big part of my life. Mm. Um, even though I didn't drink every day. It was a huge part of my life. And my social circle, even though they're not alcoholics, you know, it was you'd catch up with people and have a drink. 
But they would have a drink and I would have many more than a drink. I would have a (laughs) bottle of wine as opposed to a glass of wine. Um, So, yeah, I think for me there was just such massive hope in that first meeting. Um, Strength and hope, that's what we talk about. And and for me that's what it was. I just suddenly identified and was like, oh, my goodness, it's not actually because I'm a useless human being. Um, I actually have a problem and there is... I it's could a see disease. a way out. Mm. Yeah, and I think that was a big thing is finding out that it's a disease. Mm. Um, it's not just me being useless, <laughs> which is what I'd thought for so many years, which is why I had everything. Because it's, you know, it, there's still an awful um, stigma towards alcoholism. Look, I hope you're enjoying that as much as I do. I am going to play you a little bit of music.
Got to love a bit of Annie Lennox. Thank you. That was wonderful. Now we're going to go back into Janine's interview. I hope you enjoy that. Have a listen to the legs part. Thanks, folks. I, I had someone trying to tell me the other day what I was as an alcoholic, as in what made me an alcoholic. Yeah. And it was, uh, you've touched on it, uh, they thought it was just a lack of willpower. and I had to sort of calmly explain it's actually a craving that I just have no yeah no uh, strength over at all Um, no when that goes in when that alcoholism that yeah that that chemical little ping something which just means that you need more and it doesn't happen to normal drinkers. And I think I just still get astounded when my friends have a drink. <laughs> I know, it makes me think of those times. I saw a program once that had this uh, couple, that they were at a um, soiree in, a, in someone's house, and a lady had put down her drink. Mm. And this couple got together going, what's wrong with her? She's left her drink behind. Yeah. What are we going to no, no. And I used to be that person that would, Say, well, you don't forget your drink. Yeah. <laughs> because the idea of leaving a drink half full, what, what, that's just insane to me. That, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's just. It's not so insane now, but it was then. Yeah, back then, it's like you're pretty much <laughs> drunk. Like, you wouldn't leave anything behind. And, and yeah, it became, you know, I, I used to look at what glass was the fullest and it became almost a wee bit of a joke um, in our relationship because I would choose the glass that was the fullest, even though it wasn't mine. And I was doing it deliberately, but, you know, pretending that it was an accident. Oh, whoops. I didn't. And it was literally so that you could get more alcohol and because of that you know as you say it's that craving as soon as the alcohol is in the system it's that um, desire to have more and then a a mental battle with then trying to stop it and I think that was a big one as well is because I was constantly trying not to drink as much because I shouldn't be and I knew that I shouldn't be and I didn't want to be an alcoholic so I was in this huge um, I guess denial um, because Although I knew that I had a problem with drinking and I was trying to cut it back, um, I was not achieve- I was achieving it, but it was really just so mentally stressful. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was quite a crazy hit that I lived in, um, constantly thinking about drinking even when I wasn't, um, and then when I was trying not to drink, it was just such a battle um, to not drink. I would manage, but it was. A very painful experience and ultimately would end up with me then picking up a drink again after you know however many weeks of saying no I'm not going to drink again I would drink again mm. um, so yeah. you've mentioned the word denial several times mm. when you went into uh, AA did you find that that worked for you straight away or have you been in and out and that, that <sighs> thankfulness that the door swings both ways? <laughs> Definitely thankful that the door swings both ways. Um, I've got a key ring that someone gave me and it's an AA key ring on one side of it. It says we love you and the other side it says keep coming back. I've had it a few years now and you can barely read it anymore but I know what it says Mm. and for me that's a biggie um, and the keep coming back um, because 
Um, no, I'm not one of those people who walked in the door of AA um, and stopped drinking on that day and never took another drink again. Um, and I guess when I did pick up again, um, because I just felt so dreadful about it and I felt so low about it and ashamed and like, oh my God, I can't even get this right. Um, I guess when that happened, I, I was just... To start with, I was kind of, um, I don't know, annoyed and upset at myself that I wasn't one of these people who walked into the door of AA and was sober from that day. I think to start with, you know, I was kind of pissed off that that wasn't me, um, but I've gotten to accept that now, that that's not been my journey, and there's lots of people like me who it's not been their journey. Um, I guess what I'm really thankful for is that although I have had relapses slips whatever you want to call them they've been brief and I haven't gone out for a long time and life hasn't gone really bad um because I know I think from my enough exposure of AA I know now that I need to get my ass back to a meeting and even you know if I did pick up again I know that the solution is to get back Mm -hmm. Um, and that the solution is not to stay away and to continue drinking because it definitely does not work. So, no, I didn't um, get it straight away. Um, and I think I think what I've figured out is what, hap what happened or happens is um, I tried to continue on with my busy life and working and busy life and doing everything that I was always doing and then trying to do AA at the same time and I wasn't fully committed. I think I was trying to work my... I was trying to work AA around my life. Mm. Um, so I tried to keep my life as it was and then add a bit of AA in as well. Um, and then when I got really busy and I felt better because I had a reasonable length of sobriety so I felt better and then I wouldn't have enough time to get to a meeting and I'd think oh that's okay because I'm doing so well pat on my back um you know I got this um lo and behold what then happens is you actually forget um how bad it was so that is has definitely been kind of my lead up to having a relapse or picking up a drink was that I would get busy, I'd drop back the meetings, I wouldn't contact my sponsor as much as I should have and forget how bad actually the drinking is. And my mind will say, was it wasn't actually that bad? <laughs> was it that bad? No, it was fun. Maybe it was okay. <laughs> Probably not more. It was fun. Probably more like... <laughs> Maybe you'll be okay this time. Maybe yes. maybe you'll be back to what you were like in your 20s. Maybe now you've had a bit of a break, you'll be back to the way you were in your 20s. That's the insanity of it, yeah. isn't it? Because that little voice in your head, there's a committee up there, and it says, oh, give it a try. It'll be okay this time. Yeah. And that and, and yeah, yeah, when you let that voice in and you listen to it, because I've been through relapse, relapse, and relapse. Not through AA, but through life of those things of I must control this, I must control it. And not having any calmness mm. in that time of control. Mm. The longest time I had was three years. Mm. But that really wasn't actually through my own willpower. That was through childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so you know that um yeah that little voice pops in and uh yes and you just got to remember, I think, yeah, the door swings both ways. I have to yeah. agree. Yeah. If you can get yourself, I admire what you've done. Mm. Getting back, back in, um, and mm. and I think, yeah, it's just it's then that the reminder. It's like it's the reminder when you go to a meeting and you see a newcomer, and I can see myself just straight back there, mm. um, straight back there. I can see the pain. I can feel the pain. Um, and it reminds me that pain and that level, that lowness, because without seeing that and hearing it, um, it yeah, your brain just tells you it wasn't that bad, and mm. it was. Like it's so evident when I see someone, and you know, and I do have friends, um, and you know, who I've met through um, recovery who are, you know, having trouble, and and I hear their pain and. And their craziness, and I know I'm crazy when I drink, um, so it's not a judgment. Um, it's just being really aware that that's where it goes um, as soon as I have a drink. Um, and I just, I'm just grateful, and I'm really grateful that I've managed to get... I'm grateful for everybody in the meetings to say, who have said, keep coming back, the door yes. swings both ways, because that first time that I did pick up, um, I just felt so ashamed because I felt so ashamed to go to AA. And then when I got there, um, it, that was such a relief. But then I was like, oh, my God, after I picked up again, um, the shame of going back in the door, it was just so humiliating feeling like, oh, my God, I even I, I can't even get this. Um, and yet What was your experience ju- when you got in there, though? Was nobody it? judges. Mm-hmm. everybody welcomes you back with open arms and I think that is just such a relief um they just everyone is just so happy to see you and to see you alive um and trying again um and I think that's the big and that's you know and that's kind of what I like to share with people is whatever you do <laughs> keep coming just keep back, coming back because yeah. the alternative is not good um and I know that I mm-hmm. know that that alternative will be dreadful I'm really really aware of that um, so I'm just so grateful that I've you know that I think AA's gotten in my head enough now that and even then that I got my ass back like I had enough of it in my in my head to be able to claw my way out of this terrible that's what I I, I when I when I drink I just end up in this black black hole that mm. I'm just stuck in the bottom of and I just crawl my way out and get through that AA door again and I'm just grateful that um, I'd had enough AA to know that I needed to get out of that hole because before it I was in that hole and I and I I didn't really want to come out. <laughs> so you mentioned the serenity prayer earlier mm. do you have serenity in your life now do you I, have moments I or have do you moments have moments of serenity yeah. I, I would use the word peace more than serenity. Yes. Still serenity for me is a biggie. Um, but I certainly have mom, a lot more moments of peace now than I ever had. I have great, I find great peace when I go to a meeting. I do a ritual in the morning, um, which I sit down and I feel peace at, or peace with while I do it. And of an evening, um, I just kind of go through the day in my head and I'm thankful about things and this is a big 
thing for me um, and, and the last few meetings have kind of been talking about prayer and meditation and I wasn't one to pray and I definitely wasn't one to meditate because for me both those words were like one of them meant kneeling down talking to somebody up in the sky that I didn't believe in so I felt like a hypocrite and meditation for me I identified it as you know lying down kind of with your eyes closed maybe with some candles and it just wasn't for me whereas now I've kind of realized it's actually not necessarily about that it's actually just about reflecting mm -hmm. and I can reflect whilst sitting here on the couch with the dog beside me with a cup of coffee doing a reading or I can reflect while I'm at the beach as a biggie um, and it's just yeah just I think for me it's um, sometimes being out in nature I can hear the birds now um, in the trees and it's just an appreciation of things which I didn't have before um, so I most definitely have great moments of peace now that I didn't have any I had none. <laughs> I had none because life was just so hectic and um, revolving around drinking or not drinking, trying not to drink, drinking, trying not to drink. Yeah. yeah it's crazy what we do and how we go about it, isn't it? But to actually find, I like the way you say peace, um, to find that bit of peace at the end of it. Yeah, I never thought I would find peace. No. Yeah. That's... Um, it's uh, I'm an incredibly grateful person these days for what the 12-step program of AA has taught me. Yeah, and I think it's that. It's that. Um, it's changing your mindset. And I know um, when you're so low and so depressed, it is incredibly difficult, particularly when someone says to you, can you not just, you know, try and do something that makes you happy? <laughs> when you are depressed, it's just not a possibility. But what you can do is you can, maybe rather than try and do something that makes you happy, you can, with the 12-step program, think about something that makes you feel grateful. Mm. And I think even when you're depressed, you can think of things that make you feel grateful. Um, and I think... That's the difference is you don't necessarily at the start aim for, you don't necessarily necessarily at the start aim for happiness. That's just a bit too big a stretch when you're really low at the beginning. But if you can try and get a little bit of gratitude and a little bit of peace in your life, then that leads to other things. And, um, and it leads to so many things and life does get so much better and, it's true, you know, they do say life will get better, and it does. And it might be a bumpy road, and mine has been a bumpy road. I didn't, I didn't, as I say, I didn't stop drinking at that first meeting and not drink again. I had a wee slip slidey road along the way, and I, I don't regret that by any stretch. It's been my journey, and I can share that with others, and I can learn from it. Um, and yet the things that happen now and the way I deal with things is quite different to when I first came through the doors a few years back. Um, I'm a lot calmer. I can actually sit here now and chat and not have to constantly be racing around the place. <laughs> and um, I don't constantly think about what other people are thinking about me anymore. I still do. <laughs> you can't change the way you've always been overnight. But... I'm not constantly thinking, oh, are they talking about me? Or um, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Should I have said that? Do I need to do this better? Am I good enough? Um, that's not constantly in my head anymore, which is what it used to be. Um, You've replaced her with gratitude? 
just gratitude and acceptance. I don't have to be perfect. Mm. I was trying to be perfect all the time. No one can be perfect. Exactly. (laughs) They say practice. Practice, not perfection. (laughs) Um, And it's a much nicer way to be. Um, And I think think people around me notice it. Um, I'd say they know I'm a calm person. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sitting in your home with you, Janine, with uh, your partner, uh, who you know you you guys have done the mahi. You're back together. It's yeah. you got back into your home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. It it uh, at the end of the day, your story is one with so many positive outcomes yeah. for you. Yeah, and I think that's a you know I have so much respect for my partner kicking me out. And some people will find that really odd to hear, maybe if they're not an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> I think maybe the alcoholic who's getting sobriety will understand where I'm coming from because I needed a kick up the arse to actually get out of that denial and actually do something because I was slowly killing myself and I mentioned... Um, when that when the um, being kicked out happened and being so low and drinking and actually wanting to end my life, I was ending my life in an incredibly slow, painful and destructive manner by my drinking. Mm. And unfortunately, the people around me were having to see that. And what an awful thing to do to friends and family who love you. Um, so I'm so incredibly grateful that he did you know, saying, nah, this is it, you know, because he'd given me lots of, you know, um, lots of chances. And thank God, finally, finally, um, it was enough to give me a boot up the arse effectively and make me do something mm. um, and make a change and and begin a journey of sobriety, which hasn't been 100% from that day, but it's, miles 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 better than where I was back in that day like I I never ever went back to that again like that yeah Mm. well I kind of had a second blow to be honest but um all around that same period within those those first few months were awful um awfully difficult I should say Mm. they were a revelation but awfully difficult and and many people say the first few years um are very difficult um but things get better and yes um, we've managed to um, resurrect our relationship because, you know, basically um, the relationship was destroyed by the alcohol. 100% that was what caused it. I became not a monster, um, <laughs> but just a waste of space and um, not a person that was somebody that you want. You, you don't want to live with someone or that's slowly killing themselves really do you like that's not anything anybody wants to experience it's a that's a pretty awful thing to have to see so um Mm. yeah to to get out of that to have you know to be able to actually get out of that um has just been amazing and and you know thank god thank god he helped me do that by you know drawing a line in the sand thank god um and yeah yeah, I needed it. I needed it because I was just, I'd been denying for years. <laughs> I'd been denying for years. Uh, look, Janita, I have to say it has been such a honour and a pleasure sitting here talking with you today. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your 
Oh, yeah, I'm quite in awe of your journey and uh, I really do appreciate the fact that you've sat here with me today and shared that with us. Thank you so much. I wish nothing but good for you. Um, and yeah, right now I'm having a grateful moment that you were willing to uh, invite me into your home and share this with us. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jan. Okay, you take care. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening to that, folks. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. That is the uh, almost the end of our show, and I've really enjoyed that. Chrissy, would you like to uh, kick in? <laughs> I sure would. Right, this is yeah. This is just the closing of the show. I'm reminding our listeners that if you want to drink. That is your business. If you want to stop, we can help. We can. So if you're Matewa or Mawiwi, then <laughs> this would be a good thing for you to do. <laughs> the um, phone number that that is um, manned is 0800 AA Works, 0800 229-6757. We have an AA Otago intergroup here whose web address is all lowercase aaotago.org.nz. We'll have a postal address. Oh yes, write us a letter, please. Yes, we love letters. We love letters don't and we? cards. And this is P.O. Box 6115, Dunedin North, Dunedin 9059. The New Zealand website is, all lowercase again, aa.org.nz. Wonderful. Thanks, Chrissy. Please do ring that 0800 AA Works number. You'll, you'll reach another alcoholic on the end of the line. And uh, we're certainly happy to put our hands out and and reach out and drive it, direct you in the right uh, direction. All right, we're going to finish with a song this evening. I hope you have all enjoyed your evening, and thank you for being part of the show tonight, Chrissy. Kakite to you, and Matiwa, everyone. Until next time, we look forward to having you join us again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.